Hello, and welcome to another star-studded installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we chat about trailers, movies, and TV shows. In today's episode, we'll be sharing our thoughts on Marvel's new movie, The Eternals, as well as looking at several new trailers that dropped this week. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ivan. Today, we are we have the honor of sharing the mic with fan-favorite returning guest and Clubber Lang corner man, Dr. Ben. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. Always give me way too much credit for uh, <laughs> being here with the doctor title, but I uh, appreciate it. Well, Thanks. you were in the corner for Clubber. You patched up his eye a few times in that well, Rocky, somebody had to do Rocky Clubber fight rematch. <laughs> you know, you, you start as an intern and you work your way up and then you just sometimes you land in the big time. You never know where you're going to go. <laughs> Lesson for all the kids out there. <laughs> Welcome back. I feel like um, you're our only recurring guest. <laughs> <laughs> the one the fans demand, what, though. One of the recurring guests. <laughs> one that, of one. <laughs> I will say, I think last time I checked stats, uh, your your episodes are probably <laughs> on our top ten. Is that you listening to your own episode, though? <laughs> well, you know, verbal blowing the smoke off the gun over here. <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's the only way to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're uh, we're back not just with uh with ben but we're also back with marvel we got a big movie here but before we get into that can we talk about a couple of these trailers that have uh launched this week primarily book of boba that one kind of took me by surprise to be honest with you it just kind of dropped out of nowhere didn't disney announce that disney day coming up they would drop it then and isn't that supposed to be like next week it's next Friday, I think, the, the 12th. They're supposed to do some, right. like, Disney Plus event. I expected it to drop then. That's why it kind of, like, it's, like, we're, what, two weeks before the event? So, yeah, a little bit of a surprise. I got moved for daylight savings. <laughs> that must have been. <laughs> <laughs> One hour affected a whole week's worth of dropping. <laughs> I will say, though, after Book of Boba dropped, I had, like, three friends send me um, the this like fan-made concept trailer for the Kenobi series. It's the one featuring Ewan McGregor as Jesus. He's <laughs> <laughs> like walking into Nazareth and it's supposed to be like Tatooine. And I'm just like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I keep getting sent this trailer. People keep thinking it's dropping alongside the Boba Fett trailer. So there's that. Yeah. You got to watch out for those deep fakes. Uh, even though that one's not that deep of a fake, it looks like Obi-Wan. Th- this is not, the third season of Mandalorian, correct? Yeah, what is, what's the technical, I guess, name for it? It's its own season unrelated to Mandalorian, but I thought I heard that they were linking it. It's not it's not season three of Mandalorian, but they, they are kind of linking it in some way. So I expect an appearance from from Mando himself in this show. I don't know if that's... Uh, like I'm just I'm just speculating there. Like that's not based off of any sort of uh, knowledge. Well, while we're on that speculating with no knowledge, I'll talk. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Mando owes him one or more than one, so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to help out. He better. He's got a debt to pay now. <laughs> Although and he's got no guy. kid. He's I got know. no responsibilities. Oh, that's yeah. right. The kid's gone. Yeah. He is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It feels like so long ago that the second season wrapped up. I, I feel like I don't know where they're going to go from here. I guess they're going to the Book of Boba Fett, but, you know, answer my own question there. 
poor guy just wanted to save his kid. He ended up ruling all of Mandalore by accident. <laughs> but let, for this trailer, I mean, I'm pretty excited after seeing this. Like, we didn't really know exactly what it would be. We knew it was him going back to Tatooine, but it looks like he's trying to not just take over for Jabba, but kind of unite the the bounty hunter guild that reported up to him. This felt like Sopranos meets Star Wars to me <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah, they do have that like dining room table, like talking about business scene. Yeah, Boba really strikes me as a Tony Soprano kind of guy too. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. You know what shocked me about this though? I'm excited, even though the trailer, when you really think about it, showed us absolutely nothing. You're right. It's just enough to get interested, but not too much to give away the secret. I did hear, though, that this is a show that's kind of running um, behind schedule in terms of post-production. So I got to wonder, like, who's who had to get very creative to just use the finished shots that they got? It looks pretty nice. I mean, from, like, the shots on the trailer, though, it looks pretty in keeping with everything you get from the Mando seasons. I like the idea of like running a, you know, crime family style, like, I don't know, semi-drama series of, with Star Wars. It's almost kind of like the thing they try to introduce with the Solo movie that I feel like didn't quite hit all the all that well. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you could kind of do that right in this format if yeah. things line up pretty well. But yeah, especially with Fennec. I mean, I, I kind of enjoyed. And these are all characters that like we got a little bit of introduction, or not maybe not the characters specifically, but like the species of characters we got to see in the Clone Wars cartoon series. So it's really cool that like they have so much confidence that that's gonna work in live action. And I mean, by these stills and by the trailer, I it looks really good. You know what else is looking really good in this trailer? Boba's eyebrows. They're back. Yeah, he's got really... a fresh face, right? Yeah, he's been spending some time in like a back to tank or something. Because that's the first thing I noticed. I was like, wait a minute, that guy didn't have eyebrows the last time we saw him. <laughs> he had like goo on his face, like as if when he fought the crate lap, dragon. Man. Like he's yeah. still working off the. But does that <laughs> wear off? Juice. Like <laughs> it's lasting. <laughs> but so Mando is supposed to take place what six years after Return of the Jedi? Like Boba Fett has been walking six years in that desert without thinking to himself for a second, like, "Hey, I should probably go heal up or something in the bank tank somewhere." Um, like, assuming this takes place a couple months after season two of Mando, like his eyebrows grew back really quickly. <laughs> now that seems like an appropriate time. Don't ask me how I know. It's probably Beskar. It has, like, healing properties or something. We can chalk it up to that. Back-checking myself here. The assassin's name is Fennec, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Just making sure. Yeah, she was a huge part. Um, actually, she also made a reappearance in The Bad Batch, too. Oh, yeah, that was one of the few episodes I did see. <laughs> Ew, <laughs> sir. I didn't. Know, I haven't made it through yet. I'm like on episode four. You're gonna have to do your homework before this comes out. <laughs> you're, you're not. You're not gonna want me on the Star Wars pods. I'm. A, All right. I'm a novice. The fans got to write in and say. Uh, <laughs> but no, I like that this like this trailer. You're right. It doesn't give away too much, but there are bits here that's like, you can't tell if they're under attack from like other clans betraying them and going back on it, or if it's like. Conjure Club. Or, or if it's like the before 
bits, like when they first return to Tatooine. So I like that we can't really predict. Tell me not, Tamora Morrison's voice is kind of equal to, like, to me, it's kind of equal to, um, uh, you know, God, why am I for, uh, Morgan Freeman? <laughs> He's his voice is kind of equal to me to, to Morgan Freeman for some reason. Like the guy could read me a warrant, like a, a manufacturer's warranty uh, leaflet or something, and it'll like soothe me right to sleep. Okay, I see what you're saying. You're not saying it sounds like, but just like one of those soothing voices that's comforting. It's so cool. Like he can okay. seek to make anything sound so cool. Because <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> But I do understand that it is one of those voices, like, I could listen to him narrate the Penguin's lifestyle for an hour and a half. It's, it's very unique, for sure. I want him to read children's books as audiobooks, and, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll have Alexa play those to me at the night or something. So, as an avid listener of the pod, I have to ask, does Mace Windu come back in this series, or... No, this is Mephisto. This is... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> just, just wanted to clear up where, who was making an entrance here. <laughs> Mace Windu, if Mace Windu were to return, that guy better not have any eyebrows because, like, <laughs> he got some pretty nasty burns from that fall. No, it looks like we got some Tusken Raiders in the shot, so maybe we get, like, flashbacks of when he was in the desert for a while. Um, and Lawrence I, Who is that? The uh, Twi'lek aliens, the ones with the uh, tendrils. Oh, yeah, yeah. Akira. Sakura? Sakura? Yes, the blue chick from, from, yes. from Star Wars. I only know that from Battlefront 2, the video game. <laughs> I still don't know why they shot her that many times during Order 66. Like, she was down. No need to <laughs> unload a full clip on her. Must have been some employee complaints. <laughs> Last day on the job, you're like, all right, I'm yeah. going to get my frustrations out. HR has been failing us for too long. Would Hera be around during this timeline? Um, yeah, yeah, right, because she, she, remember, I, where is it that we saw that at some, at some place, I think Dave Filoni said that the ending of Rebels took place right around this, like, a couple weeks before we see Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. So it's definitely around that timeline, because we do see... I, I bet we see some, like, Rebels characters. Um, they sprinkle them in here and there, like, we got to see Kanan in The Bad Batch as a kid. So I, I, I bet we see, like, maybe one one character in this. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Hera. I think she was one of the more interesting characters from Rebels. Along with, um, I think, I guess it would make sense to bring in Sabine, right? Mm, definitely, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if um, if they're going to start featuring those characters, just given that the Ahsoka series is, like, right around the corner, too. Yeah, I mean, you could also get the other bounty hunters in this, too. Or not bounty hunters, the other Mandalorians um, who were in Mando's season. What was her name? Why am I forgetting? Uh, Bo-Katan. Yeah, maybe you could work her back in there. It's a character that people have already seen uh, and obviously responded well to. I'd like to see some of those original trilogy bounty hunters. Like, give give us IG-88, give us uh, Bosk. I'm forgetting the guy that looks like Gungar. a insect. Yeah, Deng- was Dengar, Dengar the guy with the Dengar, toilet paper yeah. on his face? That's basically what that was. Dengar, the Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, hey, both were ghostly to me. <laughs> oh, right. you, know, you know I'd like to see Cad Bane? Ooh, Cad Bane would be very cool. I don't know how he would fit into this universe, 
but he would be cool. voice that could read children's books. Sure. <laughs> yes, yes. I think Corey Burton is the guy who voices him. But if they do live action Cad Bane, they better bring his ridiculously oversized hat too. And his little like floating robot too. <laughs> the one that's been blown up about seven, seven or eight times at this point. Yeah. Wait, is that the Seth Green character from Clone Wars? Yeah. That robot? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Give Seth Green a job again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about uh, what about the Morbius trailer? That was the other one that came out this week, right? That trailer also kind of took me by surprise. I kind of forgot about that. Movie. Yeah. When was the first trailer? It was during Venom, I think, two years ago. We like were talking yeah. to each other over the walls of our cubicles. <laughs> That's how long it was since we last saw that first trailer. This has been a pretty big gap between the first trailer and now. And they reuse a lot of the scenes of him like going to whatever temple he's going to to get the powers. But we do see some new features in this. A lot of like seeing him actually use his powers. Um, the transformation. Make a f- yeah, the transformation. They make a few like Venom uh connections so this is definitely in the same universe as tom hardy i'm just so confused about what they're trying to do here though because you it is the same universe as tom hardy clearly because he references venom but at the same time you st- you have michael keaton's vulture is that the vulture the same vulture but because i saw michael keaton Batman. in there but well i mean i don't know i guess you i guess you can only assume that it's yeah I think it is uh, Vulture, and I think they're trying to do like a leapfrog uh, thing here where they're trying to link Morbius to Venom and then Venom to Spider-Man. They are, but it confuses me because that post credit scene for Venom 2 establishes that Venom wasn't in the MCU. He just got transported there. So then how is Vulture... In Venom's universe. Transitive property. If Venom is in <laughs> uh, <laughs> Spider-Man's universe and Morbius is in Venom's universe, then therefore Morbius is in Spider-Man's. Maybe Morbius is post-multiverse blip. It could be. Whatever you want to call it. Because they do reference San Francisco in the trailer. So, I mean, we're probably harping on something that'll get explained eventually um or it won't <laughs> and they'll just they'll just play it along like we we supposed to know the whole time that, or let us forget over the next two years you're right i don't know this movie looks like it has massive bus potential to me i don't know yeah it's... i i don't know if i'm in on this movie just yet i, I mean i obviously see it but i don't know if it's one of these things that's like i'm hyped up i can't wait for it i think we talked about um how spider-man's rogues gallery are probably some of the more recognizable villains of all time right but i think when i said that i was referring to like dr octopus green goblin (laughs) that kind of thing morbius doesn't fault doesn't feel at all like a character that should be carrying his own franchise like sony is really kind of stretching it there yeah, I mean, were you big on this in the comics, Ivan? I feel like this is something that's kind of always, you know, flown under my radar. Um, like as, I knew as, who Morbius was from, yeah. the, from the times he's a villain to Spider-Man, but I've never bothered to read any of his, like, solo adventures or anything like that. Like, I feel like that's a little too out there. 
if they do plan on like bringing all these guys into the Tom Holland Spider-Man world at some point, which you would think they have to with like the like you know drops there or like whatever you want to, I don't know. Crumbs. connection yeah like eggs. the crumbs they're dropping everywhere yeah. like i don't know that's a lot of like odd anti-hero slammed into the spider-man thing which is like i don't know he's kind of exclusively a good guy right so uh, i don't know i don't know that i see where they're going with it but who knows maybe maybe i'll be very wrong and this will be an amazing movie it just doesn't can't be worse than his joker impersonation oh god <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. I can't get past the Joker. It's just ugh, every time. At least he doesn't have girls in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> or the what, the tattoo on his face that said "damaged" <laughs> in the first Suicide Squad. <laughs> oh, I mean, God. him without the shirt on in that one scene, though, he is pretty ripped for this role. I don't know. He's giving me Hot Topic vibes <laughs> in this, <laughs> this trailer, too. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like they, they this might be, like, the... It's, it, it's Sony, so I, I can't, like... I feel like they're just reaching for the biggest lot of cash that they can get a hold of, and so since Marvel is having success with Spider-Man, they're like, you know what? Here's these other characters that nobody's doing anything with. Let's maybe see if we could, I don't know, cook us up a Guardians of the Galaxy type scenario. Yeah, but they just lack the imagination. I feel like because the, the next uh, movie in this universe is supposed to be uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter, so it's just like an odd choice. It's like you have Venom, you have Morbius, you have Craven the Hunter. Um, like where are they going with this? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, uh, it seems like the slowest build to. Like, is this some sort of Sinister Six build out eventually? But like, I think they're, they're just in like a, view of the room. They're just in thing? a cash out mode where it's like superhero movies are so big right now that like, just throw them out. We'll there. just you know throw a dart at a collection of comic books and see which one hits, and then we'll make it. Like, yeah. this is going a little deep to be like, I don't know. If you're building an MCU. It's Can't a weird place to. the movie this year, guys. Yes. It's a weird place to try and make a connection to something. Well, remember when um, they went through that breakup between Marvel Studios and Sony regarding Spider-Man? Uh, Sony's head boss gave this interview, um, and I always took it to mean like they were they're just kind of playing hardball with negotiations. But he brought up the fact that they have a Black Cat movie in development. They have a Madam Web movie in development. And he listed off a whole bunch of movies, and I was just kind of like, all right, well, this is kind of like that plan that they had for the Amazing Spider-Man universe, and look where that got them. Like, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and it kind of feels like a deadly mistake if they're thinking that they can build a universe off of this. Like, I feel like Venom works because Venom's popular enough, even before, you know, his movie. Uh, this is kind of a hard sell, and I think any other villain that doesn't have the same popularity as Venom is going to be a hard sell. It is really a fine line to, you don't want to spread yourself too thin on like trying out so many different heroes, villains, or anti-heroes, but you also don't want to like, I don't know, do too many Spider-Man movies where it's like <laughs> watching him do the same thing over and over. But I think that might be the better way to like introduce a villain 
is have him go up against Spider-Man, like a character that you know will drive in fans, right? I suppose that's true. You know what? I don't, under- I don't understand why they didn't just go with like, hey, let let the MCU have Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Like, why don't you focus on the live-action Miles Morales movie and make a trilogy out of that mm-hmm. and have Sony just do that? You know, like that I think would be a much better use of their resources. Yeah, these these partnerships where they're trying to like lease out Peter Parker, but still keep it is it's causing too much confusion with the fans on what's connected or not. Just give us Spider-Man four with Tobey Maguire. <laughs> that's that's where it comes down to. I think ultimately yeah. you're right. <laughs> so here's a question: Since Jared Leto's like famously a method actor, right? What would be more uncomfortable on set? being around Jared Leto acting as a half vampire character or Jared Leto acting as the Joker, which there's been some nice stories about that online. So I don't know. Would you rather he be drinking your blood or, you know, all the other activities that he apparently was doing on the suicide squad set? Uh, I'd rather him as a vampire. (laughs) I don't know. I think I'll take, I'll take Jared Leto as Joker and his antics with that. Yeah, I don't think I'd want him, like, sneaking up to next to me and being like... <laughs> I don't know, I just, like, would wear garlic on my neck and be like, we're done here. <laughs> Always be carrying a wooden steak. Yeah, just like, not today, Jared. Go back to your yeah. trailer, man. Come on, let's just rehearse the lines. <laughs> Enough of this. All right, so I think we're all kind of in the same agreement on uh, where we're at with Morbius there. Um, how about we do spoiler-free thoughts on Eternals? Before we do uh, just a couple scenes of uh, specific character breakdowns and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Ben, you're the guest. Do you want to go first or do you want to hand it off to? Uh, well, I guess I could go first because yeah. I'll probably be in the minority here. Just get the negatives out first and then we'll bring in the positives. Um, I thought the movie was... Wrong! I... <laughs> Let me tell you why. I thought it was very grand in scope they tried to do a lot of things i think the cast was as impressive as it was billed um it's certainly felt its runtime to me um mm. which is pretty long i think it's i think i spread somewhere it's like the second longest end game or the longest i can't remember um but it certainly eats up some time um I think there are certainly like good aspects of the movie in general. I think the interplay between like the main characters is good. I think some of the actual plot lines are they felt pretty empty to me in places, which I think is where I came out a bit more frustrated than others on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, it's you know. Uh, probably not it's not going to rank very highly for me at least in terms of marvel movies in general not that it's like a bad movie it's still a marvel movie so they don't really make duds and like it's beautiful right i mean the yeah the scenery and the shots were awesome but so one of the big things with this movie was that it really got a lot of like negative press before because the critics rankings on rotten tomatoes were like really tanking it it was at like 60 at the beginning of the week and then now it's like at 50 as the time we're recording this so we're not sure if it's going to be one of those ones where the critics are totally different than the fan and audience scores 
but I guess kind of like where do you fall on that scale? Are you better than the critics or is it like were they right online? I mean, if we want to talk my own personal scale of rating, which is arbitrary for everyone else but me, but I like it, so I'm sticking to it. Um, probably about like a 64, 65 out of 100 for me. Uh, you know, I think, I don't know that like, if you took the Rotten Tomatoes score, which is like an aggregation as like gospel, mm. it being a 50, I think, yes, that's low. Um, I don't think it's worse than some of the other movies that are probably ranked above it in Rotten Tomatoes score, if you're going off that, again, like aggregate site. But um, it certainly wasn't like highly ranking for me. So that's like bottom five for you out of, what do they have, like 25, 26 it's movies? It's probably sniffing the bottom five. Okay. Me. Fair and honest. Tough guy over here. <laughs> Ivan, you want to you wanna set this guy straight or should I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can give you my thoughts. Um <laughs> Honestly, I, I thought I went into this movie not knowing what exactly to expect because I feel like and, and we talked about this, I think, in a couple of episodes ago. But um, Eternals has never been something that I kind of followed in the comics. I know it comes out of the mind of Jack Kirby. So it's kind of the more trippy stuff from Marvel back in back in the golden age. Um, but one of the things that I think stuck out to me the most is that this movie seemed from the very beginning to be something that was trying to break that Marvel formula. Um, it looked visually beautiful, not to say that that's out of the ordinary for Marvel, but if we're being honest, there's this kind of cookie cutter formula to Marvel movies where I feel like the visuals are not quite top priority uh, for everything. But here it seems like a lot of it was like th- th- there was a lot of thought that went into the setup of each shot. It kind of felt in that essence like like a Zack Snyder movie visually. Um, I thought it had a lot of substance. I like I'll, I'll echo uh, Benji's sentiments on the cast. I feel like everybody felt like they were cast really, really well. Um, that being said, I do have to agree in terms of the, the, the scope of the movie. Like I feel like it, it did feel very grand and almost like it wanted to tell a story that could have been better suited for two movies versus one. And I think that's my biggest gripe with this film is like it, it it does try to do so many things with the main cast that it almost seems sometimes to lose track of who its main character is which i'm pretty sure is meant to be cersei uh but everybody kind of plays a role in here and yet they don't have enough time to really cover everyone and so as a result there are certain sequences that feel a little bit jumbled um but that being said i feel like i enjoyed the movie at the end of the day i thought uh, for me, some of the highlights was uh, uh, Kumail Nanjani. I feel like he was his uh, role was really well done. Um, I did enjoy uh, Gemma Chan's performance as Cersei. Uh, she was definitely the heart and soul of the movie. I just felt like we didn't quite get enough time with her. Um, and again, I think almost kind of like uh, the same issue that I see with a lot of Marvel movies, the villains. It kind of feels like Icarus was meant to be the villain throughout the whole film. Yet at the same time, it, the, it felt that way so much so that the deviants who are meant to be our primary antagonists just kind of felt like they're there <laughs> at the end of the day. Like they didn't really have much of a consequence. Um, but overall, I thought this movie was, was good. I, I'd, I'd give it like a solid seven and a half or eight out of ten. Uh, for me, it, it, it definitely it definitely was satisfying. I don't think it quite broke the Marvel mold 
uh, which is something that I see a lot of people criticizing it for in some of the negative reviews that I've seen. I don't know where they see that. This did feel like a Marvel movie to me at the end of the day. Uh, it did try to take some ambitious steps to kind of sidestep off of it a little bit, but not quite enough for me to think that this is way out of the ordinary. I agree. Yeah, I agree that it it doesn't totally step away from the Marvel mold. I think maybe the areas that it does is like the diversity, the inclusion, and making sure that um, better representation of people are like highlighted in this movie. So maybe that's kind of where it's breaking the mold. Not to mention there are some like more risque scenes in this movie than you would see in uh, any other Marvel movie. So this almost seems like a little bit more of a mature Marvel audience. And maybe it's rightfully so. I mean, Marvel's been out since Iron Man in 2008. So, I mean, the the kids that grew up with that movie have grown up with it and are now old enough to like see all that stuff. So I think that's maybe where it's starting to deviate. And I would like to see that happen with more movies. Uh, but for me, yeah, I thought the humor was what made this movie so much more enjoyable for me. Because um, like you, I kind of went in without expectations of that. And I think Benji, you were you were the same as that, where ignore whatever Rotten Tomatoes is saying and whatever people are picking up on it because everyone just wants to be part of the conversation and they don't really know what they're talking about. So like going in with no expectations or low expectations is the right way to approach this movie. Um, so like the positives, it was very funny. I thought it was well paced. I do think that they like the major thing I was worried about was can you have ten heroes? share screen time and everyone feels like they got their you know their time on screen and i thought they did that the only flip side of that is to your point ivan if you want one of the characters to be the main character it's really difficult because they shared the exact same amount of time as everybody else so there wasn't that development for us to buy in that oh that person should be the savior of them all because uh we saw them develop throughout the movie but we don't really get to see that so that's the only thing I'm like I would deduct on. Um, but I thought the beginning was great for like giving us a very you know basic explanation of who they are, why they have their powers, why they're on Earth. I was OK with their like Thanos explanation. We'll go into detail on that later on. But that was a big thing from the trailer. Um, I think the only other deduction, too, is like. Towards the end, they start using powers that. They didn't explain. So half the movie, they explained themselves pretty well. And then the other half, they started running instead of walking. And that might have been the drawback there. So for me, it's probably like, yeah, like an 8 out of 10. In the bottom 10 of the movies, but not in the bottom 5, I would say. And I also want to caveat, too, that watching it, there was no 3D sound. The sound in our theater was broken. So I definitely want to go back and watch it. Because on the right side, of the <laughs> we were missing like dialogue. <laughs> we were missing some some music. So there was some weird scenes that couldn't be explained. <laughs> um, but I think that's pretty good for for spoiler free. So if you haven't seen it and you still plan to, um, probably throw us on pause because we're gonna get into sp some specific scenes and characters and um, maybe have some spoilers in there. All right, so Mephisto's back. I can't believe it. <laughs> so glad to be a part of the Mephisto bit. 
Will that ever not be funny? Was it ever funny? <laughs> if ever there was a movie to cover Mephisto's existence or lack of existence, it would have been this one. No, so the one thing that I was totally, I like leaned over to Benji during the movie and made a guess, and I was so wrong, was right at the beginning when they're in modern day London. Uh, well, it's, I, guess, I guess it's like the second or third scene in the movie, but yeah. they start feeling like earthquakes. I 100% thought that was a Spider-Man connection, and it was going to be like when Spidey was fighting off Mephisto. Or, uh, <laughs> Mephisto. Why am I doing this yes. now? <laughs> Mysterio. Um, Mysterio in yeah. London. I thought that was going to be like, maybe they'll start intervening. But no, it was just like some random earthquake that will get explained later Not on. Not the only big missed opportunity of the movie that we'll have to touch on later. <laughs> Any of the beginning that you're thinking of? Uh at the beginning, I mean, I don't know that I had a big problem with the beginning. I mean, I'm the one that definitely has the most problems with this movie, I think. But <laughs> I, I didn't have any huge problems with, like, how they introduced. I mean, the only problem was that, like, these characters are incredibly powerful. And they needed, like, the scroll to introduce them and kind of set up, you know, redefine what, like, a celestial is. Because we only really know that from Guardians 2 and certainly a different type of celestial than the one that we the main one i, I guess the hedge celestial i don't know what you want to call him um like Ar arishim 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 yeah i couldn't say his name if i tried but um yeah i i think that part was they tried to unpack a lot at the beginning which i think they did well enough like i i understood the point they were trying to make and like where these people or Eternals were and what their relationship to humanity was. But it was a lot of like laying down the gauntlet in the first, you know, five minutes. And then there, there was a lot of focus on the deviants, which turned out to not really mean that much for the rest of the movie, which was kind of bizarre. Mm. 10 bucks says we'll see Arishan as one of the top, 2021 i'm sorry 2022 popular baby names <laughs> <laughs> there are some tough names in this like some connected to like greek history or like parables or whatever so those are easy to latch on to but then there's some that like did you have to go so complicated <laughs> like which one gilgamesh <laughs> for starters <laughs> I didn't know that Kumail's name was Kingo until the end of the movie. <laughs> and then they also named the other celestial that was being birthed out of Earth. Um, but they came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like that was mentioned by Arisham or whatever. What was his name? T. T. Something with the T, right? Tutum. Ivan, what is it? I, I, I'm just as lost. <laughs> oh, you're as lost as us. I think it was like Tickum. Tickum. We'll go with Tickum. It was TikTok, right? I think you're thinking it's Tickum. <laughs> no, it was definitely TikTok. He was doing a dance at the <laughs> end. TikTok, yeah. I think it was like e, e, e to Manu or something like that. Like, no. It was Ita something. <laughs> it was definitely a T. <laughs> it was an I and a T and an A. That's all I could recall. All right, Ivan, give us your thoughts. Did you also make a Spider-Man connection on that earthquake or no? I didn't, no. And now I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I was like, wait, I d how did I not see that um, as a potential connection? No, I 
there's something um I, I read one of the negative reviews this morning as I'm as as one does when you're getting up and getting ready for work and trying to ignore the workload that's coming your way. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, I read one of the negative reviews um, and they were talking about how they think that people are going to take offense to the liberties being taken with um, like kind of tying into religion of the different religions of earth and all that. And I was like, I went through this whole movie, not thinking that once, but I will say one thing that opening scroll, when they had to explain like the creation of the universe and all that kind of bothered me <laughs> only because like, it would have been much better if we had a voiceover on it instead of like, yes. forcing us to read a scroll that didn't even look all that appealing visually. Yeah. That's actually a good point. It was kind of just like, I mean, it wasn't, but <laughs> you like took your word doc and you just kind of scroll down slowly yeah <laughs> for all the production value and i'll make address, it bold font and throw it on there. Up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. no you're absolutely right because i was like as soon as i finished reading i was like i'm still lost uh i could have used some visuals <laughs> and a voiceover on that one like they just hired jeffrey wright to voice the the watcher like why not have the watcher voice the introduction for the eternals like it seems so appropriate mm. you know Especially when you contrast it to like how Black Panther opens and it's like that perfect yeah. visual sequence and they kind of build this story and everything. It kind of sets up like how some of the elements work in the world. And then this case, you just get words on screen. Right. I guess they used up their budget on the CG in the middle of the movie because like even one of the end credit sequences, and we'll get to that. <laughs> one of the end credit sequences featured a CGI scene that for me felt like I was watching a PlayStation one game. <laughs> I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but that scene just like, I liked the scene, but that thing just was, was such an eyesore. <laughs> yeah. It didn't, didn't quite land. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought that the beginning of this movie was well-paced, too. I, I didn't make the, the connection with Spider-Man and the Earthquake, but I, I do feel like um, there was some missed opportunity to have a little bit more cohesion, which is why I, I also feel like this is the MCU movie that's the most disconnected out of the rest of the world, because I feel like apart from the references to the events of Endgame and like uh, characters from the Avengers... Uh, there's not that much connective tissue that really gets at least visually brought up here, right? Like a lot of it is you're relying on the dialogue to kind of tie it back to the main MCU world. Yeah, I mean, they make what? Like maybe three total connections by mentioning Thanos a couple times with the snapping and then mentioning that the Avengers are leaderless. Like Mm -hmm. they really didn't connect it. And the vibranium line when he breaks the table. Yeah. Which was also, so hilarious. Superman and Batman are well-known in this universe, I guess. Yeah, what? Yeah, that was a little weird to make a Superman call out. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of doing uh, he the was Superman. Man of Steel routine <laughs> for most of the movie. So it kind of made Icarus, uh, obviously, a name is basically just doing a Man of Steel routine for most of the movie. But he yeah. was really spamming that laser sight. This <laughs> <laughs> is one move, man. Let him use yeah. it. <laughs> no, for real though. Like, I I read this other review saying like, oh, this is just like, um, the Icarus is a straight copy of Superman. I was like, no. <laughs> At no point do you see Superman yeah. spamming his laser vision throughout the fight. <laughs> this is all this dude did during a fight. Yeah, he has one arrow in his quiver, <laughs> and he used it. 
I will say, like, breaking from my the rest of my movie take, I will say the action in this movie was pretty awesome. The one where he, the, the one where he, Icarus flies through the Amazon fighting the one deviant with the, again, spamming his laser. Um, that was kind of like, wow, that was like, Ivan, you had mentioned like Zack Snyder-esque. That was very Zack Snyder. Like if Zack Snyder didn't do a little too much with some of those type of shots, it was kind of the perfect amount of like an aerial, you know, Superman style battle, which I kind of, I, I thought that was pretty cool. It was. Did you guys get bad vibes from him the whole movie or, or were you surprised? Not up until, not like up until the reveal that definitely a little bit before that you can start seeing it on his face. But I thought more on Ajax. Like I, I knew she was like hiding something serious and apparently she keeps all of her memories all time. So I, I got some bad vibes from him when he was kind of like awkwardly staring at Cersei. For when he came back to London, there was something years. off. Yeah, but even in the beginning when they're like establishing their love, he does like the like she's all into the people and he's just kind of watching her. He's just expressing and, interest in her interests. Well, he didn't, he didn't really express much interest in her interest, I would say. It was more just interested in her. All right, which, well, what do you want? Him to go after Tinkerbell? <laughs> no, I you know, I want him to show some love to the people and he was uh, <laughs> he was only showing love one place. No, that's love comes towards him. He it's a one-way street. He is Superman. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Without a cape. Right. Right. Without the cape. Um, But Ajax was. uh, You said it in our pod last week, Ivan, that you would hope Salima Hayek. Hayek. Salma Hayek. Salma. Salma. (laughs) They did her so dirty in this movie. (laughs) I thought they did her well. Like they did kill her off, but then they used her in flashbacks. So it's like you actually get your money's worth out of a character that is dead present day and get to use her on timelines. Um, and like really put her like in a mother role despite knowing what's going to happen. So it's a pretty complex character. I think I had promised I'd walk out of the theater if, if they killed her off early in the movie. <laughs> and did you? <laughs> yeah. And it happened exactly that way. And I was like, you know what? I'm staying. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to give it another me. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they kept her alive, though, through those flashbacks. So that, w- that was fine. <laughs> yeah, and I like that she had, like, a moment with each one of them where they could each have a flashback and she was present in that flashback. Like, I don't know. I thought that was good use of her as a constant for everybody. It was, but she was kind of nerfed from the uh, <laughs> from the comics um her her powers i mean like i think they gave her like a healing ability in the movie and in the comics she has more than that well he they gender bent a lot of these characters too but um it worked i just feel like i i ajax in the comics is meant to be one of the important like head eternals but I don't know, to kind of strip her of that power in this movie just kind of seemed a little out of place. Obviously, it was to promote uh, Gemma Chan's Cersei character a little bit further, but still. But that's the thing. They did promote Cersei, but then that's like what I was saying before, too, where it's like if you're going to give the the same spotlight to everybody the same amount of time, you can't say, I mean, you should have seen it coming where she's the most powerful now. 
Like they, we, there was no chance to develop that. They, I thought they laid the groundwork for her really well, and then they warp. They tried to like warp speed at the at the end where yeah she had so she free she turns the one deviant into wood, which is like supposed to be a big moment, and like in the moment, like you kind of think like oh that that's pretty big, and then they kind of like they talk about it but i feel like it doesn't really go anywhere and it's not explained like it's immediately forgotten yeah the only thing that they say later is like i think fastest eventually says like like now's the time you got to try it again and she's like i don't know how and then they just kind of and then she figures it out and then they just kind (laughs) of leave it there and then all of a sudden she's using all the powers at the end to i mean we're really skipping ahead there but like i i think they were like they had like a lot of layers i liked her character a lot i thought like it made sense to have her like rise to the head mm, yeah but, i do i agree but like they missed because i think they were trying to split their time so much and it probably goes to what you were saying ivan about splitting the movie into two you know trying to tell like too much story in one movie it kind of felt like they had to kind of rushed to the end there with like her power set whereas for most of the movie she's relatively meek outside of that one freezing of the deviant like she relies heavily on everybody else to shield her she does and i feel like or i don't know if i maybe kind of got lost in it but like when she when she did that when she um ended up freezing the the deviant i i didn't really think about how that was such a big deal for her because nobody really made such a big deal out of it until later down the line when they <laughs> back and they're like oh that thing you did can you do it again and she's like no i can't <laughs> I'm like what do you mean you can't <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know yeah it, it it does it feels overstuffed and i feel like the, the movie definitely wants to do a lot and I, I i think that there's definitely something to to consider there right because the grander scheme films i think try to do something like let's say dune uh but it's not like that kind of thing works when you focus on you know maybe one two maybe three characters but over here it's like when you try to do too much it just feels like you're rushing to get to the same point yeah i just feel like the flashbacks helped with that though where i i don't know i just feel like it wasn't rushed outside of her character assuming the mantle of savior of the day. I think that's the only thing that kind of didn't work for me, but seeing everybody progress through those flashbacks and seeing not just how like they individually progress, but how that team broke up, comes back together, breaks up. Like that was a bit of like a Ross and Rachel like thing, but <laughs> what an analogy. <laughs> and I've never watched friends. <laughs> Surprise friends are on the internet. You just got to know these things, man. <laughs> For me, it's kind of highlighted with Kumil uh, Nanjani's character uh, with Kingo because and he, here's what I mean. Like, and I I, I saw this tonight with uh, with my sister, and as we're walking back from the theater, she's like, "You know what? The one thing that bothers me is the <laughs> fact that Kingo does the opposite of what he's kind of built. You're building him to to kind of be, uh, and I don't know if I'm in uh, if I'm alone in this, but I feel like." the decision that's made um later on in the movie when when they make the decision whether or not to stop the emergence from happening um 
here's a dude that's been like ingrained in in society has kind of built up wealth he's kind of it seems like he's enjoying his, his life right like why he's a showman yeah it makes sense for him to go and try and stop this emergence from happening and yet he makes the complete opposite decision um because even yeah. in the flashbacks he gets that development but then it's kind of dropped and he doesn't come back at all <laughs> by the way until like the end of the movie <laughs> which um that that did stick up uh stick out to me and it's one of the examples of what i mean like it feels like you're building up a character but you don't quite have enough time to really flesh out why he makes that decision um and and that kind of and that that and uh what's the character's name the guy who can control minds uh druig yeah his all of a sudden realization that he doesn't like he doesn't like the fact that they don't they're not intervening it it just that came out of nowhere in the flashbacks and then it, it wasn't kind of built upon it just kind of happens um that that's what i mean like some of them i think got really great progression uh, but then there's others where it's like they had these cool moments, but you don't quite understand why those decisions were made with them. Yeah, I think uh, that was one of my bigger problems with the movie is like he he's a great character for most of the movie. He carries most of like the levity. He carries like it kind of like the human perspective with his <laughs> with his valet, like basically shooting a documentary of the whole situation. And then for a couple reasons it does like you illustrated why in his character arc it doesn't really make sense for him to bail which i agree with but also from like the basically like when they're coming up with their plan right to how they're gonna find a way to overwhelm this celestial they make a big point of like if we combine all of our powers into a unimind or whatever then it only then are we able to face you know the the might of the celestial whether it's druig like putting them to sleep or you know eventually cersei doing whatever version of those powers she eventually got to do it which was impressive but unexplained um he just bails and there's no consequence to that like he doesn't he's right back in the band he doesn't have to yeah he's one he's right back so they have no hard feelings which is fine i guess but number two is like i guess they didn't need his energy because his energy wasn't part of the stream that any of them used at the end and it felt like it was one of those things where it's gonna take us all to get this done but really it didn't because it only took like uh, what six of them at the end because two of them didn't even really want to participate and uh, he bailed and like there's just you know like he said like there's great story beats for him throughout but ultimately it's like they didn't know what to do with him at the end so they just sent him home yeah i kind of feel bad that like he got ripped for this role (laughs) and they ended up just using him as the funny guy and he's so much more than that um and he's so much more than just appearance too like he can actually be such a serious actor but they ended up just using him for humor that he gets lost in there for his limited amount of scenes they're all just like punchline stuff which did yes it it kept it light but um there was no progression there but I feel like there might be, if given more time and more time to like, like think this out, I'm sure each of these are like some sort of like, uh, what am I thinking of? It's like some sort of like sin, like he's vanity or something like that. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like those type of things where it's like everybody has like some sort of pillar that they oh, represent. You're the Shazam movie. 
Is that interesting? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't stay awake on that movie. Uh, but no, I, I feel like he might be that where like he was never about the action. He was more about like the mm-hmm. storytelling, the being seen, and mm-hmm. it's in his character to not show up at the moment of need. But that's also with one viewing of half a audio. <laughs> <laughs> so he might have said some lines in there that I missed. <laughs> Well, I feel like um, they definitely <laughs> lost some focus on, on who the main character was. And I feel like that's kind of what were um, most, I guess, most of our kind of concerns on it kind of fall through. Because I feel like the characters that they did less with, um, but they did less but significant things with. Like for me, like Gilgamesh and, and, and Athena, uh, those were two characters that were never really built up to do anything grand right but the subtlety of what you of what they did with those characters kind of left a bigger impression on me with them versus uh you know kingo who they or know, they makari like or the, makari the, yeah the speed person yeah she like hardly got any bits in there mm-hmm. um but i thought fastos brian uh tyree henry was great in that role i thought he did a lot with um i guess he got actually a pretty good share of the spotlight in the back half for sure yeah right right i think i think part of what we're like kind of talking around too is like so for a lot of the movie they kind of set up icarus as like like either the main character or the main villain and he kind of turns out to be neither which is a tough like to structure your movie that way which i get like the point of what they were doing and in some ways it succeeded but like so you build this movie around the heart of Cersei and Icarus and, you know, eventually you come to realize they're at odds, even though you're kind of pseudo misled to think that they're on the same side. But in the end, like one is very clearly meant to be the hero at the end or like the titular hero. And then the other one is left to be like sort of the like more of the idea of the bad guy versus like an actual bad guy whereas like he has a lot of like semi-story development like he gets a lot of time devoted to him but he really isn't like you see at the end he's not really willing to go through killing everybody and he's you know he's not he's not truly bad he's not truly good he's just kind of there but i don't think they do that in a way that works as well as like other you know other like characters who are kind of on the seesaw yeah the redemption of his character is pretty fast like he goes from fighting everybody on the beach to uh you know i do love you cersei (laughs) i'll help you out (laughs) so take my powers i'm gonna go fly too close to the sun now like (laughs) what let let me go put this one on the nose in the sun (laughs) i do love that that was and essentially (laughs) flying straight into the sun I made a joke about about it. I just leaned over to my sister and I was like, you know what? There's no other way out of this for him than suicide. And then like, <laughs> five minutes later, he's playing to so like, I was just joking. <laughs> you don't have to do it, Icarus. Yeah. I kind of, I, th- I wish they would have like had him stick around. Richard Madden needs a job for longer than just one movie. <laughs> At least he didn't die during a wedding this time. He actually had the full wedding. And he got to keep his head. <laughs> yeah, that that too. <laughs> Until uh, the sun probably burned it out for us. I think maybe like the last thing to talk about for us is 
Um, Can I jump in real quick with one point I have to make? Is it on deviance? Yes. Yeah, I think the last thing probably is the deviance where they're built up as the opposition for the whole movie. And then there's a point where they kind of, you kind of think like, oh, maybe they're going to like give them their powers. And then because he's the anti-celestial fighter, Mm -hmm. he'll be the savior. But then they don't go that way. So let's talk deviance for a little bit. I'll go on my quick soapbox here. So I know that like you got to suspend some, you know, normalcy when you watch some of these movies. Why, this I, is all factual. I, <laughs> I was not super into the explanation of why they weren't able to help with Thanos just because they were instructed to only interfere with deviants when they kind of broke up and various members of their, you know, family broke up and decided to do their own thing 500 years before Thanos showed up. I thought that maybe I was missing a big story beat, but yeah, like, yeah, I think you are because when they broke up the at 500 B or 580 or whatever it was, uh, they broke up, but didn't break up their objective on earth. They broke up to be like, go live your life as people. But you Dru- don't have to live as soldiers. But Druick does his own thing. He decides like, Oh, well, I'm going to stop all wars. Do. I'm going to start this. So, like, wouldn't the easy line be that, like, we're not following some predetermined mission anymore. I'm just doing what I think is correct is kind of the implied. Which in, which in my case would be, like, wouldn't if somebody is coming here to snap half away, half of the universe away, and your objective is to. But, but Druig doesn't stop wars. He stopped the one war on his way out. But then he said later on in the movie. You know, there was one point where I thought I would just take away everybody's free will and have them stop fighting, but that would make them not human. So he didn't get involved in anything else outside of his little community. Yeah, but I just don't I don't know that that's like true to the characters that they build, because the whole point of a lot of this movie, I felt like, was that Eternals don't evolve. And that's why they're different than Deviants. Right. But throughout the movie, we see them evolve and change only in personality, though. The evolution of the yeah, deviant but, is physical. But every one of them goes against their objective, basically, by the end of the movie. Like, they all collectively decide separately, outside of maybe Sprite, that what they're doing is not worth their objective. Well, so, I, I think that's only after they realize the truth. But I feel like we are hogging it, Ivan. Yeah, Give us your take on <laughs> that bit of, like, the Thanos bit and what they did when they broke up the band, so to speak. I just got one big thing to say real quick. Um, yes, please. I t- <laughs> um, and so on, the, on on second viewing of this, I noticed that Druig talked about how he stayed in the he stayed in the forest, which is the same spot where they broke up, and right. that's kind of like the followers that he continued to like foster, right? Yeah. Um, when that scene began, it labeled that city of as a uh, Tenochtitlan, which is the which is Mexico City nowadays. <laughs> so uh, where is that forest? <laughs> because I've been there several times, and I can tell you there's no forest in the center of Mexico City. It's in the botanical gardens, Ivan. You didn't, you didn't visit the state park. <laughs> also, he's got, like, 
anybody living in that part of Mexico is definitely not going to be that light skinned. <laughs> um, they're definitely very toasty brown. All right, Ivan, we're cutting um, you off. You're getting too nitpicky with reality here. We're talking about deviants and celestials. Please I know. I just, I just had to point that out because, like, I, th- I had to do a double take the first time. I was like, nah, that can't be it. And so the second time I heard it, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, he's implying he stayed in Mexico City. Uh, where's Mexico City then? We took that as like the Aztec Amazon forest. But, but they do clearly. They did say they that did was... clearly highlight the city that oh, I he's that. in when he leaves. So I agree with obviously. With <laughs> so placement it doesn't might make geographically sense. not make sense. But Ivan, when they break up, are they still adhering to the don't get involved in humanity, or are they like we can follow any of our own rules now? Yeah, no, I I took it as like one of those. Um, I think I think the Amish do this too, right? Like you you get like a year or so to like go and live Rumspringer. your life. Is, is that what it is? Yeah. You get what I mean? Like they, they allow you to go out and experience life and then come back in or leave the life entirely, depending on how you feel. Um, I took it to that it was kind of something like that, except that you weren't allowed to give up your objective yet. It was just more so like go out, live your life, exp- you know. Do what you got to do. We don't have to worry about the deviants anymore. Um, but I, I, I didn't take it to mean that they were free to break um, from the objective. Right. That's how uh, I, took, that's it how I well. took it Yeah. So you're alone, Benji. You are wrong. No, <laughs> no majority rules. No, my argument is like <laughs> that it doesn't fit with their characters later. They all, in a very short amount of time. Because they time, didn't know that like their objective was flawed. Like They all think we're the good guys for defeating deviants and we're saving the earth. It's not until they realize, oh, we were actually the bad guys, not like we were dooming the people of earth. Now we should just make our own decisions. But I don't think if if they're alive for 7,000 years, I don't think they make that decision in one moment. I think. The, yeah. I think that built up over 7,000 years. For all the flashbacks is that they, they build their characters to think and act a certain way. And I think it's very clear that they make. But they're the soldiers who just follow the orders. So that was it. Like they may think and feel like I shouldn't be doing this, but this is like my prime objective that I have to. I think it's a very, very thin explanation for as to why these all powerful beings are not getting involved in a major universal conflict, especially if the celestials later say that their point is to, what the get rid of worlds to bring about billions more and then they're gonna let half of the universe which should assumedly be billions of people go away i i think it's just the logic is like cyclical and doesn't make sense there to me but that's just a a private point of mine i guess yeah and you're not wrong though that this did happen really fast like the explanation was just like kit harrington's like oh okay I accept that. Like, that's where it is. Like, the <laughs> one, fans are still like, one conversation. I don't feel comfortable with it. But Kit's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that conversation of, like, God. You know, like, why doesn't God intervene? In which this, which uh, conversation is that? <laughs> <laughs> it just reminds me of the same speculation, because it's like, they're, 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 like, adhering to this um, objective that's even beyond their own understanding for most of the movie. Uh, th- that that being said, I, I do feel like it is definitely kind of odd that they do seem to like flip uh, on their objective pretty quickly. Um, it, it just 
and and I don't know. To me, I feel like the the the, the sticking out as a sore thumb um, character out of all of them when it comes to this is Icarus, because all of them seem to be pretty flexible on the objective once they find out the truth. Except for Icarus, he seems to be like wholly on board with um, everything that's kind of gone on. Which, um, if you guys have ever have seen. Um, that Amazon series, The Boys, he started to give me Homelander vibes <laughs> about a quarter of the way through the movie. Yeah. So I was just like, there's something off about him. I just feel like I still, even now, like having watched the, the movie, um, I still don't understand him quite as much or like his motivations to wanting to keep the faith in, um, even after finding out the truth, basically. I think it's the same thing that Kumail went through. His character was like, I don't think it could, this is a bigger decision than me to stop future life from happening. So yes, you're totally right, Benji, where it is this like odd cyclical thing of saying like these future lives are more important than these current ones. So we'll just destroy everything we have now and start over. It's like, you're constantly just rebuilding there. And it's like the Knicks at that point. Like <laughs> you, you, at one point you just have to let your team play the games. You cannot just rebuild it. There's different Knicks. <laughs> so this was a major point of contention of like do you accept their explanation of it or not and you're going to land on either side but back to the other point about the deviants yeah. like sh- their role really just ended like that in the cave and it really all signs at least when i was viewing it all signs pointed to this guy's the solution because he's the anti-celestial <laughs> yeah. although i guess his mission is just to kill humans and lower the population so that the celestials don't get born so, yes, he's also evil, but, like, I don't know. I would have liked to see him versus the Celestial for some reason. Yeah, I think, I mean, they kind of set it up. I think they set it up decently, too, that you could have, like, this two alternate sides of a coin, right? You have the Eternals and you have the Deviants, both basically brothers, if you want to make that analogy, of the Celestial. Yeah. Like, offspring of the celestials that are there for the mission purpose of this and basically they're like the rogue child that decided to do their own thing and evolve and now we see like the evolution of them taking on parts of the eternals too which is kind of a neat subplot where you see this one deviant in particular starting to like build into more of a character and I agree. I thought, like, as he came to join the fight against Icarus, I was like, oh, here we go. This guy's this guy's the answer. He's going to play a major role. They're going to make amends, and it's going to be, like, this sort of, to call back to Venom, of like a Venom-esque, like, he's an enemy, but he's a necessary enemy sort of thing. But instead, Athena <laughs> just bent on revenge offs him in a cave and it's like oh well that's the end of the deviants and you're like okay i feel like we built something interesting there and instead of pursuing it or even using it as like a a a, a, a way of like telling more about the eternals instead we just you know they were kind of an action means to an end ultimately in the final fight the the deviants kind of join um marvel's pantheon of like irrelevant villains <laughs> at the at the end of the day because i feel like besides the spider-man villains i haven't really seen anybody else have compelling villains maybe like black panther but we've only seen one movie um from that but yeah i, I agree it, it's 
th- th- this movie also kind of suffers from that, from having weak a weak villain or weak villains, I guess. Um, but and and I don't know. I I still feel like the I like this movie overall. It's just that those it still has the same issues that I tend to have with typical Marvel movies. And I was kind of hoping this would break that mold a little bit more than it really did. Should we talk about those post credit sequences now? Yeah, I already forgot about them. Um, <laughs> so talk about your... Oh, can't forget about those. <laughs> I got Ooh. so excited by, you know, talking could've deviance. Re- could have redeemed the whole movie, and then they didn't. You don't like the credits? I liked both post-credits scene. I just thought you had a major opportunity in that first one, and, and they missed. Oh, uh, yeah. So wait, the first one was the Harry Styles <laughs> hype-up video. <laughs> of some sort of goblin creature. <laughs> Ivan, do you know what that character was? <laughs> Sadly, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's a character called um Pip the Troll. You know, what? I'm going to I'm going to talk about my frustrations with the scene first because <laughs> I I actually I, I didn't mind Harry Styles being cast as as Star Fox uh, or Eros, whatever you want to call him. Um I think it's it's a pretty it's a kind of a bold choice, but I feel like uh, the guy's been kind of getting his acting chops in line the last couple of years, right? So uh, I'm excited to kind of see where they go with him. He's kind of like a Adam Warlock type character, so you know there's so many ways that they can kind of go with him. So it, it'll be interesting to see the follow up from this. Uh, Pip the Troll is a direct Silver Surfer connection, ooh, because he's a supporting character from that side of the the marvel universe and to be honest when this movie was starting to talk about how there's a celestial um being born inside of earth my mind immediately went to galactus and i'm like is this going to be our introduction to galactus in this in the mcu <laughs> and it was not so <laughs> i'm kind of disappointed although oddly enough because celestials were shown to actually be huge humanoid characters i do think We'll see a pretty good version of Galactics and Silver Surfer at some point down the line. Um, anyway, this scene, <laughs> Pip the Troll was was my big um, complaint about this scene because that CGI was just awful. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you guys about. will agree, but like, oh my god, the, it, it just looks so unfinished. It's like yeah. if somebody was was halfway through rendering the the scene and they're like, you know what, it looks good enough. We'll just take it to to the final cut i'm on a deadline just get it out all right that's, that's what it felt like the rest of the movie was in that regard it did i was unclear as to what he was supposed to be yeah no he he's a random just kind of throw-in character there uh I, I know he has sometimes had appearances with um uh on on titan which is a planet that thanos is from but th- that's like this is kind of like the equivalent of tossing in um, Howard the Duck into a post-credit scene that seems to actually be going somewhere instead of just being like a random like wink and a nod to fans. Uh, but the inclusion of Harry Styles as as Eros, and I, I guess he's going to be who takes the uh, remaining Eternals to find the now abducted Eternals. I guess uh, it's an interesting setup, and I'm I'm kind of excited to see how it plays out. Uh, but I'm just like, I don't know, it, that, that CGI still bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
it didn't really bother me that much. I mean, yes, it didn't look finished, but uh, I do like that it sets up a second movie of now we're hunting the big dog. Eternals too. <laughs> Hunting, hunting the main celestial. Eternally hunting. <laughs> they better yeah. reunite One Direction for Eternals 2. <laughs> I mean, we got to say it, though, too. The end of that scene, like, Styles is in it. I'm, I'm on board with him being in it. I think he's a compelling, like, actor choice for that. The music swells, and they don't put a Harry Styles song, like, right after it. Huge swing and a miss there. Because they had, like, a big build-up. There was a nice moment. They play a song immediately after it. He's, like, staring in the camera. Would have been great to get just, like, you know, a mini Harry Styles concert there. Would have been a really... That would have added, like, ten points for me just on comedy alone. You know how Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 did, like, their soundtracks were, like, super popular because they bunched up all <laughs> these songs? I want, like, the Harry Styles cut for Eternals 2. Like, that's, that's <laughs> all the music you get in Eternals 2. It's just Harry Styles music. <laughs> well, it is funny that they like went to a pop type song yeah. after. I don't remember what it is right now, but they did go to like a not just like a soundtrack. Yeah, they went to an actual song, so it's like you could have just used something of his. <laughs> they didn't but want to pay them money. I, Ivan, maybe you can shed some light on this because this is definitely something I don't. I'm confused on. I'm hoping that others are too. If he, Okay, so if Harry Styles' character is a Eternal, mm. and if Athena, or now Thea, is also an Eternal, that means they were created as, like, these, we'll call them robots, or AIs. How are they also related to Thanos? Because Eros said that he is the brother of Thanos, and then isn't Thea the aunt of Thanos? Is this like a major deviation from comics? No. So I, th- I think everybody's going to be confused by this because <laughs> not a lot. I've, <laughs> I've seen the I've seen the move the the memes already coming through Twitter where it's like, how's Harry Styles the younger, hotter brother of Thanos? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So in the comics, they they are uh, they are siblings. Uh, the the issue, or like, for, if if I recall correctly, you know, and, and I'll need to be fact checked on this, <laughs> which nobody will, but but at, <laughs> at some point, uh, from my understanding, Thanos's father is a full as uh, a full blown Titan, and his mom is an Eternal, um, and so Titan, at least in the comics, was also a planet where this um, emergence would have happened. Which is kind of what they were they were implying in in I, th- I think it was Infinity War, right? When they visited Titan. Um, so that's that's their relation. Like it's kind of like uh, Thanos is kind of half Eternal, half Titan, and for mm-hmm. some reason his brother ends up being inheriting the full um, Eternal line of of, of his bloodline. <laughs> It gets choppy. It, I, okay. I like, yeah. It's it's just kind of one of those things where it's like you have one ugly sibling and <laughs> one good-looking <laughs> sibling, I guess. How does the power stack between like a Titan and an Eternal? Are they that that part's unclear to me? They're meant to be neck and neck, like yeah. they're kind of equals on on power. Um, hmm. 
in the comics, Daniels gets a bigger backstory because he hates the Eternals because he knows what they're really about. <laughs> um, mm. And there's more of this like royalty aspect to things. Like there is a planet Olympia, and there is like everything that was kind of spewed as like falsehoods to the Eternals in the movie is true in the comics. Um, so Thanos is kind of the, the antithesis, I guess, of of, of um, the Eternals. So it, yeah, it, the dynamic is kind of weird. And visually, obviously, it doesn't make any sense. But comics never made any sense. That's true. <laughs> Back when these things were being written, I don't think anybody like batted an eye of being like, hey, this guy that looks exactly like a human is the brother of this dude that looks exactly like a giant purple alien. Grimace. Grimace, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that is an exciting after credit uh, scene. And then there's a second one that we got as well with Kit Harrington essentially doubling his time, his runtime on screen because <laughs> he didn't get that many uh, scenes in this movie, but he, but he basically, everyone he was in, he opens up a, a drawer with long claw in it and takes up the mantle of Jon Snow. One last time. <laughs> yeah. That Valerian steel was like last centuries. So this one was, yeah, he opens up the, he grabs his sword or, goes to grab a sword and then he's like starting to hear voices or like a Some sort of hissing. shadow on the sword right that's like reaching out for him and then what i believe is mahershala ali's voice saying are you sure you want to do that which would indicate that that's blade since he's reprising the role to come out in october next year yeah i think the director has come out and said that this is uh this is definitely the voice of Mahershala Ali. So it's the debut of Blade and the MCU, hmm. even though we don't get to see him, which I think is kind of a missed opportunity there. Oh, you can see him on Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the Wesley Snipes version. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> it's still Blade. Do we know what, do we know what character, as the uninitiated here, do we know what character Kit Harrington is supposed to be? Is it the Dark Knight or? <laughs> yes, we'll go with the Dark Knight. I think that's Christian Bale. <laughs> there's the Moon Knight, there's Dark Knight, and then whatever he is. He's meant to uh, be the the Black Knight. Oh, just put a yeah. color in front of it and you're good to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what What are those powers like, Ivan? The Black Knight's powers? No. Oh, you'll you'll. What? <laughs> yeah, the the. the <laughs> You're gonna love this. He has no powers. <laughs> How is he gonna get to Olympia? He's got a complicated family history, <laughs> and it's gonna get him there. <laughs> no, that sword has to do something, right? Do do not underestimate the narrative power of complicated family history. <laughs> it steals the souls of its enemies. It's, yeah, it essentially. <laughs> Um, essentially, real? that's what it is. <laughs> Man, get this guy in the writer room. No, that's the that's Katana, right? From Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. That's like the famous line. Oh yeah. It it, it basically um, the uh, the Black Knight is one of those characters that a I never thought would make it to live action just because he's kind of <laughs> like bottom of the barrel kind of uh, characters. But I'm glad it's Kit Harrington playing this role. Because it kind of like, it, he's kind of fulfilling what Jon Snow should have been. Uh, he's been an Avenger. I think his basically his um, that the Ebony Blade was forged by some like uh, 
by the sorcerer, what's his name? The guy from Arthurian legend, uh, Merlin. Um, and it's meant to be wielded by somebody from a particular bloodline. So it's, I think he, he's, he's related to some knight of the round table uh, character. Yeah, because they did make a, they made a point of him getting that ring with his family crest from 300 years ago or something like that, so. Then he had that deep stare after he said, my family history is complicated, (laughs) and then missed his chance to explain. He's a stalk and a (laughs) Targaryen. He's a complicated character, and I actually kind of like a lot of the backstory that they've done with uh, Black Knight, but a lot of the stuff, the good stuff that they've written with him has been like a, like miniseries one-off stories. So I don't know what the plan is to integrate him into the larger MCU universe, but that uh, Ebony Blade is supposed to be one of the strongest weapons in the Marvel Universe, um, and it's meant to be wielded yeah, by somebody who in the is... Box. <laughs> it is <laughs> but it, it's basically it's an enchanted sword that's powered by your negative thoughts um so somebody with like extreme <laughs> depression would totally <laughs> well, he just uh, lost cersei so he's got that he must be pretty ragey <laughs> it's basically cursed because it, it, it's uh it's not necessarily that you anybody killed is trapped in there but it is haunted by the people that he murders essentially, and so the, the the way to keep powering up this blade is to feed it more blood, essentially. Okay. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting character. There's a lot that they can do with it. It's just that I don't know how they're going to integrate him to the MCU world that they've built out here. Seems like an odd choice to pair with the Eternals too, at least if that's the power set, right? Yeah. It's a- it's an interesting entry point. Well, if they're putting, if Blade is the one in this post-credit scene, then that's probably where they're going to segue him out to, which makes sense because the Ebony Blade starts to integrate the, or I guess if we're, if we're going to go there, we're going to start introducing the supernatural elements of the, of the Marvel Universe. If you say the X-Men are introduced by Hulk again. So the X Men, <laughs> no, but like so. It's worse than our Mephisto running joke, man. <laughs> if they're bringing up Blade, then you know that opens the door to that side of the Marvel universe. And by that side, I mean like characters like Ghost Rider, like anybody who's kind of like within that darker realm of characters. Uh, so, I f- <laughs> so I, they, they have. Um, if, if they're probably spinning him off away from the Eternals and into the Blade series, I guess. And it would make sense for him to go that route versus sticking around with Eternals. Like, really, power set-wise, like, who's who can match the Eternals? Besides Wanda. Oof. I mean, this sounds like we need Dr. another draft. Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I draft the Eternals. <laughs> Just the power ones. You get all ten? Yeah, one I get them all. Yeah. That's a package deal. Yeah. Well, you can't get it, Chris. He's gone. I'll just take Ajax. <laughs> Even as a corpse, I'll take her. <laughs> no questions asked. All right. Well, I don't, I don't want to ask the questions on that one. Uh. I feel like we probably could go on for like another half hour talking about the pros and cons of this movie, but I think for I just a first have one more <laughs> for a first take, we got most of it. Um, and I, like I said, this is probably going to be—I'll go see it at least one more time. 
see if there's stuff I missed and uh, see how that impacts the review. But I definitely think we all agreed that it was better than the critic hype or unhype. I don't know what the anti-hype is, but it's definitely better than that. It's probably somewhere between where the fan so- fan score is going to be in in that range. But yeah, Benji, thank you for joining us, man. This is always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for letting me uh, talk too much on your podcast again. It's always fun. We need somebody to come in here and tell us that a movie is bad because we won't say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that it's like terrible. It's just not good. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. (laughs) We have to bring you back on for our special The Last Jedi episode, which will come eventually at some point once I can convince Emma to talk about this movie. Yeah, we're going to have a bash session. I could totally get on board for a bash <laughs> session of The Last Jedi. That was an ex- inexplicably bad movie. All right, we let's can also book, throw let's in Captain Marvel there, too. We should just do all the bad movies. that have, yeah. Just bring me on for the negative podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Except right. for Godzilla. Then I'll be pro. I love it. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll end it there. If uh, Obviously, we did miss things, and we may even have to revisit this movie, but... Uh, if there's something that you feel like we missed that you want us to cover, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at BT4thWall, uh, for being 4th. Otherwise, thanks for listening. <laughs>